Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. iConnections is the world's largest capital introduction platform in the alternative investment industry. iConnections membership only platform brings together the asset management community, providing allocators and managers with the opportunity to connect both physically and virtually. With an impressive network of over 4,000 allocators and 900 managers, their community oversees an astounding $48 trillion and $16 trillion in assets, respectively. iConnections is also the driving force behind the alternative investment industry's most renowned in-person events. We invite you to join iConnections at their upcoming event, Salt iConnections in New York, taking place on May 20th through the 21st at the Glass House in New York City. This two-day event is packed with one-on-one cap intro meetings and content. To explore more about iConnections events and gain access to their members-only platform, visit iConnections.io. Hit your money goals without switching platforms. Download SoFi's all-in-one super app for industry-leading APY. Great loan rates and stock trading. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank, NANMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Welcome to a very special edition of On the Tape. This is the Juneteenth edition. This is the drop. We are here with Danny Moses, his former partners of Seawolf Capital. You know what we call this. We call it, what are we doing? We have Vinny Daniel. Destroying ourselves. Porter Collin. Yeah. In the house, right we're doing, here. What, what are we doing? All right, so guys, let's just, let's vibe here a little bit. It is the morning after the all-important June Fed meeting. It was what, a... Hawkish pause. Did you like that? A hawkish pause here, gentlemen. Like what? Let, we're going to get into how you guys are thinking about the markets. We're going to get into some of the ways that you think you can make money in the second half of this year. We're going to talk about some of the things that I think Danny and Guy and myself collectively got wrong a little bit. You guys have dropped in, I think, every month or so, and you've definitely given us some pearls despite being like overly bearish. Is that a fair assessment? You guys have offered lots of ways to make money on the long side of things. We've been a little bit more in the monolith bearish camp, I would say, Danny, wouldn't you say? So let's just talk a little bit. This is me. I'm one of your best salesmen, okay, on the sell side here. And I got you guys. You wanted to bring me in here. Give it to me. Talk to me a First little of all, bit you, the way you, you guys characterize really this as, as bearish. I joke around all the time. I think we're realists. Yes. Right. And, Correct. I've and, heard that before. And uh, yeah, the, the stock market's up a lot, or I say that the tech stocks are up a lot, but in, the real economy is not doing great. The average stock is not doing great. It's this narrative hype stuff that's been going on. And frankly, it's not our nature to be long that stuff anyway. That doesn't, that's yeah. not what we do. So given the economic data has come in, I would say never have predicted the stock market to have done what it's done, Yeah. right? And Apple, I think, has added a trillion dollars of market cap this year. The numbers are just mind-blowing. And we're great for NVIDIA, done well, but you know, obviously the leader in all this stuff in AI, but the, the valuation is just, staggering. And part of the problem is that, Vinny and I talk about this all the time, is this the, the plumbing of the markets, right? And there's so much money chasing these assets, and they just gap. Right. And, you know, you couldn't have bought NVIDIA after hours. It was up, what was it up? 25, how do you tell me? It was up 20% in that for like first few prints. It's just amazing what goes on. But you just said, and I'm just curious, Vinny, like the average stock is doing better right now, right? So we did have this, this concentration. The breath was really weak. We had very low readings and volatility. The VIX was just melting from the high teens, right? Over the last like month and a half or so. We did have that tight consolidation in the S&P 500. That was the thing that kind of faked me out a little bit. The S&P was making no progress, despite the fact those biggest names were actually moving higher, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, NVIDIA, Apple. But now this breakout, I think you're seeing an outperformance of some of these other sectors that had been underperforming. You saw the small caps in the last week and a half rally five or 6%. So the breath is improving a little bit. Oftentimes I wish all three of us were less of realists Rather than being bearish. 
My PL than, than we would like to be. Yeah. And so three, four weeks ago, I did simple screens of overbought, oversold, and the like. And I noticed what you just said, which was there's about 15 names that have worked, right? But the rest have not. And the rest, quite frankly, were on their ass. A bullish person would say to themselves, hey, I should just buy the rest because they're going to catch up. And we didn't. Thankfully, we didn't really. We actually covered a bunch of those shorts that actually did work on the we short did. side. But that was the opportunity for guys like us. As Porter says, 30 times sales for NVIDIA doesn't do it for us. I wish it did. It just doesn't. But John Deere on its ass does. And a bunch of other names that, that, that were down and out does. The problem I think we had was, is what we're seeing, I think, right now, which is the economy's not that great. It's not horrible, to be honest, but it's not that great. So we didn't really see a massive opportunity to the upside from it, in terms of increasing revenue expectations perspective. The one thing that I'll harp on is the consumer, the U.S. consumer. It's the, it's the be-all, end-all of this market for the most part. When you take away AI and all that stuff mm -hmm. for a second, it's the consumer. And the consumer has been, I think we would all agree, much more resilient to this point than we thought. That being said, I think it's just, it's a question of when, not if, the consumer is going to be extended. Student loan payments begin again in August. We've seen the credit card data of any which I want to talk about, which I think is crucial to watch, which is seasonally underperforming right now. It's not bad. It's slightly, it's fine. slightly, slightly but slightly, not bad. Slightly underperforming. And let's go back to the Fed from yesterday, and let's go back to all the economic data that's come out. People are upset with Powell yesterday for what he did, but in essence, he gave them what they really wanted, which is to say- Sorry, what are they upset for? That's what I'm going to go, what okay. people are upset for, that how can you say there could be two more hikes, right? How could that possibly be true? These are the same people that are saying, we're not going into recession. The economy is strong. We're going to have no landing or soft landing. You can't have it both ways. So now we're entering this period of time over the next six weeks, I believe, that people are rooting for bad economic data. We're totally back to that at this point. Not too bad, but bad economic data so the Fed doesn't go. But beyond that, looking past this right now, what, from an earnings perspective, just on the S&P in general, we know, and we've been through this before, that 20 times is not a sustainable number unless you have troughed. That's a trough multiple. So taking a step back and looking at various sectors here, what are we doing? Let me reset the stage for you, Dan, here. So it's 9.45 in the morning right now. So normally we'd be desk at Seawolf, all the work, we're in there at 6.45 in the morning. 80% of our work takes place between 6.45 and 9.30. The rest of it is a setup. It's okay, what happened overnight? What happened in the morning? Our salespeople call us. They joke with us, they argue with us, they do whatever they want, and then we make, and we make decisions. So this part of the day would be what Porter's doing right now, looking at what's moving, what's not, taking advantage, taking some shorts down, maybe taking some longs up, selling some longs, adding to shorts, whatever it might be right now. So let's reset the stage right now. Right now, I'm not telling you to give us your portfolio. What is the market giving you to do, and what are you forcing that you want it to be? One of the things that we've been talking about a lot recently is that there's been extremes, I don't know if extremes, but just massive divergence between the winners. I'll safely say it's the, the AI bucket or whatever mm -hmm. fake AI bucket. And then, and then there's everything else and mostly cyclical names, right? You think about energy's not done great. Retailers have not done great. What else? Like energy, material, materials, financials. So financials are a whole nother but, basket. But, yeah, case, I know, but, but like if, industrial. Like, but this is one of the things I just want to like. Scott Wapner had Jeffrey Gunlock from Double Line on right after the Fed presser got done. Okay, yep. and it was interesting. And a lot of what you guys just said, he immediately was like, "Wait, the economy. Everything I'm looking at, the leading indicators suggest that the economy is not." Is strong as the stuff that some yeah. of the bulls saying the yeah. soft landing, no mm -hmm. landing. Okay. He said that. And I thought that was really interesting. And when I think about the whole idea of rooting for bad data, the data is not particularly great. It just depends what lens you're looking. And then I just think through the stock market, if you're looking through the stock market lens to your point, Porter, those areas of the market, small caps, financials, energy, materials, retailers, they're saying that the economy is basically not as good as those 15 AI stocks are suggesting. Yes and no. Lennar reported yeah. last night. Yeah. It was really good. Now, there is something nuanced in housing that's going on in mm -hmm. that you cannot really sell an existing home because of the encumbrances of a mortgage mm -hmm. and the like. And so a new home is moving. So the percentage or the market share of new homes as a percentage of total homes has gone up, I think, twofold or threefold. So that's a nuanced thing. That, But someone could say housing's fine. The stock that we were short in earnings was Home Depot. Right. They, they didn't put up good numbers. No. And so you, ha you have a lot of 
cross Push and pull, yeah. It's interesting. Home Depot can't get out of its own way. It's still down more than 15% from its highs from six months ago. But Lowe's is within a few percent of its 52-week highs. Masco just got off the mat. Whirlpool, which was acting like dog shit, you, just started to rise. These are some greatest hits, by the way. Of well, no, but yeah. What I'm saying is that I, yeah. look, I think the way you set up this conversation, this part of it, that's how I was brought up in the business. And right. so I'm always trying to put other different inputs together. We had a home builder analyst in 09, and uh, thankfully 09 was one of our better years, but in the home building space, we got absolutely destroyed on some of those shorts. Because housing starts can only go down so much, yeah, as Tony exactly. Crescenzi. Yeah. But let, let's do a tail of the tape of the consumer because I think the current landscape right now is not as bad, Danny, as you said. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm uh, saying it's just, trending. Just in terms of, it's let's say you own a home, unemployment's low, you have a job, wages have been good, and chances are you have a mortgage rate that's really low. Life is pretty good for yeah. you. If, right? And inflation's been cut in half and in the last 14 months. parts of inflation parts have been cut in half. half. So I would say goods well, and energy. Going forward... Hold on. Inflation's come down. Let's not go Wall Street yeah, style, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's prices are still elevated, but the cost of energy has come down. Yeah. Let's be fair. Danny, I think you bring up a good point. Going forward, right? The incremental purchases, because rates are high, whether it's an auto loan, whether you want to get out of your house, whether you book a vacation, whether you want to, all these things are really expensive. So to me, I always try to go with what's most probable. And given the high credit card growth, it's really difficult to see how you're going to get consumer growth from here. And that's the thing that I struggle with is that, okay, where's the growth coming from in the economy other than maybe things fiscal? And uh, credit's just not going to be as available as it has been. Forget about the cost of credit. You, these banks are pulling out of businesses. They're pulling out of commercial real estate lending. They're pulling out of auto lending. They are. In the story. And so these are long tail elephants, I like to call them, that are coming, that are going to be here. Europe's in a recession. It is 1,000% in a recession as it's defined. Germany is the bellwether. Two negative GDP quarters have occurred. You saw the data come out of here in the last few days. It's terrible. Europe is raising rates still into this, and they're going to go another. They'll be at 375 in the next meeting. China, which I think was the underbelly for everything Dan's talking about when you look at materials and energy prices, it was telling us this. China had to cut rates today. The Chinese central bank basically stimulating all they can do right now. So you have Europe, which is not going to grow. You have China, which is not going to grow. What is left, right? It's the United States. It's the U.S. consumer, which has continues to be very strong. My point is that's a lot to rely upon at this point with the setup that we're talking about. And when we traded financials post-2009 through 2017 or 16, we had a manipulated we still have a manipulated market in terms of Fed <laughs> of rates and QE and all this stuff. It was very hard to do fundamental bottom-up work. And the frustration for the three of us still to this day, and I know I speak for you, is you want to believe that the work that you're doing and the valuations over a long period of time, you hope for a short and medium period, will meet. And there are certain industries and certain things that you're talking about, industrials and all those things, which you can't meme, which the numbers are the numbers. And you're comfortable staying short something or staying long something, conversely, if you believe that you have it lined up, because it will inevitably mix unless they add an AI feature and bullshit and whatever. The point is, that's where I have faith and why I lose faith at the same time in these markets. And we're in a situation right now where I watch people and dunking on us or dunking themselves, how great it is for what? And I ask them, what valuation? What, who cares what value? What yeah. do you mean what valuation? It's AI, it's the future, it's all these things. And it disturbs me and upsets me because all the years and all the work and all this, you want to believe that you get rewarded. My suggestion to people, though, is, okay, so if you're an average person and you're investing your own money and you're looking at NVIDIA or some of these stocks and you don't understand it, just stay away. Don't short, no, don't short it. And you, know, you don't need to chase momentum and chase all this stuff. We don't chase it. It's our money. We're not, I'm not going out and buying NVIDIA right now. I'm not buying Apple. I'm not Google's the only one which of the bunch we still own. I think you invest, you know, what with what you invest with the margin of safety. And that, that's what we do. And we block and tackle, buy an individual name. One of our best stocks this year, our best stock has been Petrobras. And a Brazil, that's a whole nother that's ball, a whole nother ball, ball, ball of wax. Wax. Maybe but, if we want to get but we were getting paid a 30% dividend yield at two times earnings. I don't know. What was my downside? Government regime change. Everyone kept telling me that Lula yeah. was going to take all my money. Yeah. Meanwhile, the UK did profit windfall taxes on all its energy companies. Who's the socialist? Who's but, the but communist? Isn't, see, isn't, like, isn't that kind of deep end of the pool, though, for, for a lot of investors? Because that stock, again, just 
got up off the mat just in the last, let's call it two months or so. And we're seeing a lot of that. And to me, I would say the downside risks of the geopolitical, Brazil has been a horrible place to invest for two decades. That's right? why you should be looking but, at it. But hold on, look, Petro, maybe. Petro right. boss is, is chart crime because in there, yeah. you in the last There's two years, you got 22, yeah. 25% dividend years. Yeah. And so the, the when the you get the dividend, the stock, the chart goes down. But the so, history of fat dividends buying the equity is that for the most part, you won't out earn that dividend because something's got to give. There's a reason that the price performance well, has been so bad and the dividend looks so fat. Is that kind of fair? A hundred percent. And this, look, we do nuance for us that we're more comfortable with nuance than most people are. And I agree with you. If I was an investor and we're not making any recommendations, but if you're going to do nuance and you're not used to it, do it very small. Yeah. So you really give yourself a margin of safety. What we saw, forget about just Petrobras, what we saw in Brazil, I love saying this, is a host of multiple factors. One, they're a lot better looking people as a country yeah. than we are. <laughs> I've been there. Uh, two, it's one of the few countries that can feed themselves and fuel themselves and have enough for exports. Three, on a debt to GDP levels, they're far greater than we are. And the last far one- Far lower, yeah. Far lower, greater and better, sorry. And the last one is, of all the BRIC nations, of all the geopolitical risk, I've never heard, and maybe any of the history majors here can tell me, Brazil never starts a war or goes into a war. So you don't have that risk either. You have civil war risk. You really do. Well, you look, have inflation like, down there. Dan, do we Dan, Dan I hate to say it, yeah. we have we, civil war risk yes, here, know, right? Yeah. So like in, in, in that regard- Your point, two times earnings. Wait, two yeah. times earnings. So that, and, and so, yeah. but, but then it, you look at what happened. They run a surplus budget, right? Unlike, unlike here, we'll start with, we're balance sheet investors. Right, that's what we look at. So we look at Brazil. They took rates from two percent to fourteen over the last eighteen months. Yep. And inflation is now around four percent. So it's come way down. Which would you rather invest in, in U.S. or Brazil? So let me ask you guys this. So I'm looking at the EWZ, the ETF that tracks mm -hmm. Brazil. Top two holdings are Vale and, Pe and Petrobras. Yep. Okay. So those two combined make up. 20%. And then you have Itaú, which is a bank. And then you have another Petrolia, something. So it's interesting. These well, are two of the four. I, of those, which yeah. is interesting though. Like bring it back to the US here for a second. Those are two groups that we just mentioned that have been underperformed. They trade really cheap. Okay. And you guys, I know you like the fundamentals of energy here. And you also like some value in the financials once we get to maybe the other side of this cycle and maybe what's going on with regionals. Is that one of the reasons why you are attracted to Brazil? Yes. And do you guys think that it's better to play in EWZ because you don't have the idiosyncratic risk. Well, and that's had a nice run. Dan, us. you're bringing up a great point because unlike this country, where if you look at the various ETFs, particularly the largest mm -hmm. ones, your top eight or 10 are the yeah, megas, yeah. the fangs and the like. In Brazil, if someone, and we feel really comfortable that Druck loved Brazil as well. If you want exposure to Brazil from a macro perspective, you buy the EWZ, yeah. you are buying these names. There's very few... Googles of Brazil. So in that regard, that was an additional part of our positive thesis as well. So one of the areas I think we've talked about for the last several weeks is how people are positioned in general, funds and the chase that's basically forced upon them at this point. And we saw it in January, when a week into January, okay, maybe not two weeks in, it's like, shit, I'm underweight technology, I'm overweight financials and energy. Not you guys, I'm saying the market in general. That was the setup. So Fair to say we're underweight tech. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As we sit here today, we got February 2nd was the peak then. People were like, I knew it. Market was over. It was over earning. Here we go. Here we go. So now we're sitting here with two weeks left in the quarter trading. Every day that goes by and nothing blows up, it's almost like it's going to force the hand still. We go into window dressing and talk to people about, I've, I've given my opinion on this, the hands that get forced, people that get paid relative to just relative performance to the S&P, and then the long short strategies which are out there that have these pair trades on where you guys see it probably more than I do just because you guys are trading more actively. Talk to me about that and how important that is and how individual investors need to respect and understand that. There's two ways we can go with this. I think first we'll talk about what Vinny and I talk about pretty much every day is that we're VIXs, where the level of vol is. And so I think Vinny talks about it more than I do, but, the, but in terms of vol targeting, these big mega hedge funds, when vol is super low, they can take up leverage really high. And when vol is high, conversely, they're- Take down their books. Take down their books, right? So we have VIX 14. VIX 14 means they put out so much capital everywhere. And so that's why you see securities ping-ponging all over the place because they're putting so much leverage and so much capital into the markets, right? And when VIX is really low, it's counterintuitive 
Is it a cart leading the horse? If the market sells off, VIX going up, what is the event? Which causes? Well, but, I've but, always said, but the way yeah. we think about it, when VIX is low, I don't really want to put a lot of capital out there. Like that, that, that doesn't, that seems counterintuitive. But when VIX is super high and yeah. RSI people, are, people are confused, low. confused yeah. we love taking a risk then. It's just converse of what people do. And if you look at our performance, it's always better, always when VIX is really high. Because we're but your to... setup is into the VIX being high. Like, here's one thing. That, I'm not calling for a higher. No, no. no. What, what I'm saying, there's a big misnomer out there. You keep hearing about hedge funds net short because you've had a VIX that's been melting from 19 to 14 over the last two months or so, as the fear abated about the regional banking thing becoming somewhat systemic or whatever. So when you hear hedge funds short, they're loaded up with S and P puts more than they ever have. It's not bearish. They're yoloing all the other crap that's working. Exactly. So when I hear. Tepper, Steve Cohen, Druckenmiller say we're all in on this AI thing. They are balls long S&P puts because it helps them take down their net. And they have that sort of disaster. Been a great trade too. No, it has yeah. been. And so that that's just premium that's going away yep. and helps them sleep at night. And you also have to keep in mind, it is so underappreciated what Porter's comment has made. They are some of the largest bucket of capital that moves on a daily basis. And when the VIX is low, their gross is super, super high. And they have to have a low net strategy. They have yeah. to have shorts. Have to, uh, most of them. The other thing I would say, working in these places for a year and a half, Dan probably doesn't want to bring that up again. He didn't. We did. Yep. But we did learn that almost every single- It taught you well, Rock. It did. <laughs> it actually taught me why right. things happen the way it happens. <laughs> almost every single strategy in those places are long what is called short-term momentum factor, which means be long the things that are working. Very simple. And as a result, the more it works, the more they press. Does that go against some of your, like you guys were all trained. You guys, like you said, you're balance sheet investors. You have an eye for value. You just said NVIDIA is working. Okay. And, and NVIDIA trades at 25 times sales. It's a trillion dollar market cap company off of its lows yesterday. This was Wednesday. It rallied 6%. It basically rallied one and a half times it's expected sales for this year that are growing. $50 billion dollars like, think, in market cap. Think about it's nuts. But think about that. So but what I'm saying is that one of the reasons why Seawolf is Seawolf, you manage your own money, you, you guys do your things because you couldn't exist in this market in a place not like that. Not in scale. Yeah. And let's add an additional element. And the thing we're talking about is market structure, yeah. the plumbing, the pipes underneath, why it's working. This zero dated option game, somebody really intelligent, figured out a way to make money doing this on a daily basis. And let's keep in mind the broker-dealers, the stuff we know from a risk management perspective, from a regulatory perspective, they have to true up their books on a, during the mm -hmm. day. And as a result, they have to go with it. And let's be fair, they're making a lot of money while they're doing this right now because it's all working. That adds an additional element of analysis that you have to take into account. My theory on this one, or my conclusion on this one is probably is this, don't fuck around with some of these names because things are controlling it that are above and beyond your stupid fundamental brain, right? But it's beyond that. It's the psychology. It impacts the psychology of the trader. Well, in the it impacts, retail, it impacts, it impacts. And we saw this with high-frequency trading going on for the last several years where print goes up, a block trade goes yeah. up, and then you see all the quants follow it and so forth. But Vinny's right. I've been talking about this. Someone has figured out the recipe, at least near term, to take advantage to print yeah. large amounts of options. I know Delta, we won't go into all the measurements, yeah. but what happens, it becomes self-fulfilling as the stock trades up on a large call option print that, that the market maker well, has to go out and the cover. The, the desks are, they're hedging their deltas, they're hedging their gamma, and they're doing it usually at the last hour of the day. And that's exasperating some of these moves. That's what we saw yesterday in the close. I want to get your guys' thought, though. You just mentioned retail. Um, it's interesting to me that crypto has not really come back. Bitcoin had a moment after the regional banking thing, but it's come in, all the regulatory stuff. We're seeing some of these meme stocks have come back to life a little bit, but we haven't seen SPACs come back. So like, we're not seeing really speculative Nor stuff there. Nor have we seen IPOs of that. Yeah, no. Akav is one, but that's it. But so I'm just curious, like, so talk to me a little bit about like retail psychology, because I feel like a lot of retail lost a lot of money in 2021 into last year, but Upstart's working again, Affirm, Carvana, and so it's interesting to me, it's not across the board, but there is clearly pockets of speculation. I think it's like all of the AI stuff is just sucked in all of the cash. You're right. right. Now. That, that's what it is. Every, the whole thing has gone towards AI because NVIDIA worked. And that is the one clear beneficiary of all this stuff. Is NVIDIA a meme stock now, do you think? A trillion dollar meme stock? I will say this. Yes. He says yes. I think it's overvalued, but I don't want to mess with it. No. I was one who laughed at some of the most recent 
technology initiatives that were put in p- place by Silicon Valley and the like. Most things crypto, I'll ignore Bitcoin for a second, and Web 3.0. I don't know technology, but I just yeah. look at it qualitatively and I say, oh, this is stupid, right? ChatGBT and AI can be something. So it's not something I'm going to mess around with on the short side just because it's overvalued, my opinion. Can I touch these names on the long side? Eh, I prefer not to. 25 times sales doesn't do it for us. There could be something here. I, I don't know who's going to win and who's going to lose. We'll see. The interesting thing about various sectors like banks and financials, because there's regulatory oversight, there's regulatory limits on what you can and can't do. There's a playing field and you pretty much can know the rules. There's no rules for AI right now, meaning not that it's not that it should be regulated, but to your point, Vinny, I've never been short NVIDIA. I've never been short Netflix. I've been short Tesla many times because I believe Tesla is an industrial. I believe it's an auto manufacturer. What I mean by that is one day we'll be right. No, what I mean by that is this life of the next. No, yeah, in this life (laughs) of the next is that they're tethered to a degree. Stuff you're talking about can go on. It can go up much more than you think. We saw Netflix at the time was streaming. What's streaming? That's crazy. What do you mean they're going to have their own entertainment studio? What do you mean? I don't mess with stuff like that, no, Vinny. We're, we're, and that's the one, I mean, I'm, I've lost plenty of money on shorts. I'm just saying there's certain areas which you guys have We've never been short Amazon. Right. We've, you, ne- we've never been, I've never been short. Retail feels like they're that. being left behind by not YOLOing and not owning this. Totally and that's agree. the part that bothers me well, the most. You, you can own the SPY because those names are 26% sure. of the S&P 500. They're 50% of the QQQ. I wonder to you guys though, because Talk about market structure again. If you think about how much of the outperformance this year is concentrated in seven or eight stocks that make up $8 trillion in market cap that are up on average over 40%, right? So you think about that. To me, the higher we go, what it takes to get a stock like NVIDIA that has up 200% on the year, up 300% from its lows, trading at 800 or no, trading, excuse me, at a trillion, it's going to be a trillion one ish sort of market cap. To get that to $2 trillion, just think about what has to happen. You know what I mean? What has to happen to the broad markets? I think that the higher we go in a parabolic nature, the more risk is posed. Like none of us want to use the C word. That's the CR word, the crash word. But the higher we go. We've had a crash up though. This is a crash up. Agreed. In certain names, not in everything. I think Vin and I are simpletons, right? At the end of the day, I don't know where the S&P is going. I couldn't tell you. And- I just try to control what I can control. I look at names that I, I, I get paid a dividend. I sleep well at night. I don't have to worry about momentum. I don't have FOMO. I just, for the most part, I just I ignore it, right? And so that that's all. How I do don't you, change. How do you ignore it though? Because at the start of this year, NVIDIA was expected to, let's say, have $30 billion in sales. Now they're expected to have $42 billion in sales. Maybe it comes in at 45, but there was a time this was a 250 Maybe it comes in at 38. Because he's not I trading. Know. No, I, I know. But what I'm saying is there is massive risk to the market if they disappoint. And when they report their Q3, let's say in October, okay, and they come in light on revenue, okay, and then they guide down for Q4. And then across the board, All of these companies that have been buying these chips to put into supercomputers that go into data centers, that the compute is 5X for a simple search, right? To figure out something that some kid wants to write into a term paper, okay? Everyone pushes out the commercialization of this technology. We are going to have a NASDAQ down 30% like that. Listen, I don't know the CEO, but I know he's been caught for... I like his leather jacket, by the way. He, but good. he's been caught for securities violations, right? His CFO in was past, in yeah. the past. And so he doesn't have a great history of being truthful. And he was just a couple of years ago touting that coin and everything was going to revolutionize the world. And well, so... And that, and that it was, but then it was metaverse. But Dan, okay, so me, every okay, one so of those Ponzi's that you... But, that right, you, but again, but, but, look at what the insiders in the video do, are doing. Selling. They're selling stock. Right. And God bless them. They own a lot of stock. So, this, but- is, this is 2000. This is exactly what happened with the fiber optic and web hosting and all the stuff that went on and the orders that were coming in for fiber and the math didn't work, but nobody cared. They chased eventually to Dan's point when the numbers spoke, they didn't match. And then you had to solve. That's inevitably what will happen to a degree here. With CME Group's micro-sized futures and options, you can access the same transparency and liquidity of the benchmark contracts with less upfront financial commitment. Diversify your portfolio and manage your exposure with the flexibility of CME Group micro-contracts in crypto, metals, FX, energy, and equity indices. Learn more about what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com micros. iConnections is the world's largest capital introduction platform in the alternative investment industry. 
iConnections membership-only platform brings together the asset management community, providing allocators and managers with the opportunity to connect both physically and virtually. With an impressive network of over 4,000 allocators and 900 managers, their community oversees an astounding $48 trillion and $16 trillion in assets, respectively. iConnections is also the driving force behind the alternative investment industry's most renowned in-person events. We invite you to join iConnections at their upcoming event, Salt iConnections in New York, taking place on May 20th through the 21st at the Glass House in New York City. This two-day event is packed with one-on-one cap intro meetings and content. To explore more about iConnections events and gain access to their members-only platform, visit iConnections.io. SoFi, the all-in-one super app for banking, borrowing, and investing. Earn industry-leading APY, get great loan rates, and trade stocks. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank N.A., NMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. I got to get to two subjects. One that is really been under the radar. Please, so no more normativity. No, I can't. No, I'm no, done. We're no, done no, with no, that. No. We're not mentioning that again <laughs> Dan, today. Dan was quite so, passionate. Yeah, no, yeah Dan's it. very passionate sorry. about it. I'm sorry. I want to talk apologize. about nuclear because it. I don't know how up to speed you are at this point. I know you guys have done a ton of work we, in this we, space. We've never sold it, yeah. It feels like it's having a little bit of a rebirth here. Am I wrong? I'm seeing some just macro. I, hold on. Back up. I'm seeing some things like nuclear reactors starting to get more licensed, I don't know if you call them, licenses to build or turned back on. I know some are being turned off, but talk to me about nuclear because I'm seeing the stocks start to move to the upside here. First off, you're right. It has. The spot price of uranium is up, I think, 14, 15% this year. And the reason being is because the various utilities that are powered by nuclear need uranium. Are they powered by NVIDIA chips? Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Powered by uranium. Okay. Okay. And they don't buy uranium on spot, they buy it via contracts and the contracts are coming in higher than the spot price. That combined with the fact that you have in China, nuclear reactors being constructed, Japan turned on their nuclear, it's working in France, there are other places it's working. So the incremental trends of nuclear are positive. Okay. And that's why you're seeing what you're seeing in these stocks. But nope, so, so, no, the but is it should be better. But their marketing narrative sucks. What, what so, are the names? Camco. So, so let's talk about yeah. CCJ is really the only yeah. stock that. Which, know. by the way, I don't have. That, I know the chart looks good because it's broken out of here back above. We, we own CCJ and we own Spot Uranium, which is UU. You can like accept there. delivery of that at your house in yes. Houston. Yeah, okay, hundred percent. All right, yeah, yeah that's good. Well, it's an interesting trade, and it's really under the radar. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not. No one's talking about what, it. What in is the amazing about it is yeah. during the whole energy deluge, right when yeah. the energy stocks cratered. Uranium worked. Yep. It really is an asset class that is uncorrelated to a lot of other stuff. It's one of the reasons why I like it as well. And the other that is, it feels like a long-term cyclical trend to me. Generational. It's a generational trade, it, potentially. It can be. It needs a few things to happen and Got fall it. its way. And I'm talking more on the marketing side of the equation. I know this sounds, but the, there's, yeah, bad, the stains. Of, there, there's bad stains on, on nuclear. I think a lot of them are overblown. It's it's one of our favorite long-term investments. Yeah, we've been talked about this before, but okay, we want to have an electric grid where we have EV cars all over the place. It has to be fueled by... It can't be fueled by coal. It, it, be, it know, doesn't work. It doesn't work. So you're, you need green energy and the, the most cost-effective, most dense form of energy is nuclear. Yes, we should have more solar panels all over the place. But it's not there yet. It's not there yet. Yeah. I just built a new house. I didn't put a solar panel on the... I don't know. I just... And the lobbying effort. We're there. You didn't put a solar roof on your house? No. I just don't think we're there yet. Is it, they still have those solar yeah, roofs? Yeah, you get a certain oh, part. Yeah, oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. Certain, all right. So let's go. Let's keep moving to another okay, commodity. Yeah. Yep. Let's go to gold here, which mm. as we sit here today, I don't know, was it 1950? Yep, somewhere probably. in that range. I'm a buyer of the dips here. I think you guys are as well. Inevitably, if people believe the Fed is overshooting, then gold has only one direction to go. Maybe near term, it gets caught up in this a little bit on the downside, but you're not, you're not reacting like I thought I you love would on it. gold. I, I just don't, I don't sell it. We know but what it. do you own? In uh, gold? We own a lot of physical gold, obviously. If, and you can buy that. PHYS is probably the easiest yeah. way to do it. We own physical silver as well. And then we own some miners here and there. And the miners are 
a bit of a frustrating group. They get lumped into the material sector and they never quite do what you want them to do. And but yeah, they go down on days when gold is down, when gold is up, they don't go up. Yeah, right? So they're, they're, it's a frustrating group. But if you look at the long-term trend, we're sort of dollar bears, given the fact that not Dixie bears, but just dollar bears of look at the balance sheet in the United States. It's just not good. And the whole debt ceiling deal, that, that was the biggest joke of all time. Am I wrong that the debt ceiling deal, and I've talked about this, it's it can go to infinity now, realistically. It's not going to go to infinity, but it can go to 35, 36, 37 trillion before January 2025. There is no cap on it. I've been saying that the actual bank disaster turned out to be the, one of the biggest stimuluses that we've had. And the reason is you got an implied guarantee from the government on all deposits, yeah. all deposits. And you have to think to yourself that when the loan books start to go bad in these banks, which they are, is the Fed going to? Is Treasury going to step in there with the facility? No, I'm honestly, this is what have we been moral hazard and ingrained well, in this. Let's go back to what Vinny talks about all the time the, the bottom of the market. When was the bottom of the market? What, what was the bottom of the SP? October 14th. And what did that coincide with? Wasn't it when the rate cut odds were the highest for some time in Bank of England guilt crisis. It goes back to 2016, they had the Shanghai Accord. There is a thought process here that all the central bankers got together and said, guys, we can't have a guilt they crisis to, like right. that. And so the QE comes back on, and right. that was the bottom of the market. And again, whether it's gold or anything, physical, unlevered assets that aren't tied to rates necessarily are going to do well against debasement. And th that's what we're talking about. The money supply is, just, is not going to stop. The QE is not going to stop. And, and that's how we think about it long term. And so... If we can buy hard physical assets or hard physical securities that can do well over time, you know, that's how we think we win. Just like you walk around and you get a house or apartment and you're like, gosh, oh, that, you know, if I just had bought that at that time, that would have been a great, like you buy assets at the right price and you hold them. Like that, 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 that's what Buffett does. Yeah. I will say in the near term, I've always viewed, and I've said this on this podcast, that that gold and, and to a certain extent silver are the report card of the Federal Reserve, mm -hmm. and I will add to my statement, and, and the fiscal government. And right now, for whatever reason, Powell is doing a good job holding its own and at least being perceived as doing the Volcker. Mm -hmm. So as a result of that, gold has recently underperformed. We look at it slightly differently in saying the inevitable is the inevitable. Continue to run fiscal deficits as far as the eye can see, and this debt ceiling limit pretty much allowed them to do it, eventually gold and silver are going to work in spades. It really almost doesn't have a choice, but is it going to work over the next few months as people perceive that the Federal Reserve is fighting and being very hawkish? Here's what I think. Six months from now or four months, eight months, whatever, we'll look back and we'll say, of course the economy couldn't survive at, a, at these rates. Of course it doesn't work at these rates. And the one thing that he said yesterday, pal, twice in his opening comments was about quantitative tightening. We are going to keep selling securities, which I believe is the reason that he paused. And the reason he paused is because Yellen is filling up the coffers yep. and he knows he's competing with that. He's not reinvesting. He's offloading $95 billion, $60 billion in treasuries, $35 billion in mortgage-backed securities a month. And he wants to see how that plays out. And I think he's, I think he always underestimated the impact that quantitative tightening would have because you've this $9 trillion balance sheet, 8.6, whatever it is, you're trying to unwind it into this. That is just not talked about enough. Well, dude, in my, he, yeah. he's talked, he brought down five banks. No. He's personally responsible. Well, that's not fair. They were told ahead of time. They who, did that to themselves. Who, who's the regulator? They did that to themselves. Who was the regulator? The Federal Reserve. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So, so yeah. And overruled. Funny you say that. Over, <laughs> over the last month, every day when I would see that rates were going up, particularly the two-year, but even the 10-year, I would just like whisper to my head, that's not good for the banks. What Powell said yesterday, first thing I thought about, you, I talk about things that are highly probable. It's like, oh, this is bad for the banking system. Really bad right? Because higher for longer or high for longer, whichever you want to call it, really hurts the banking system in terms of the deposit walk. It continues. Credit tightening continues. Morgan Stanley had a conference this week. It was a, their financial services conference. Yep. And for the most part, 80 to 85% of the outcome of each company were to lower earnings projections. So if we're going to stay higher for longer, the banks were in a good technical spot. They were oversold. They were bombed out. But it's really hard to buy them when the next several months are going to be really negative. By the way, this brings it back to one of Dan's opening comments. But let's just say there is a new stress test coming out that is going to include banks above 100 billion between the 100 mm -hmm. and 250, which didn't include before. So stay tuned for that. That's coming. So people's 
got out of, sold some tech, although a lot of people are still buying it. And they went to the industrials, they went to financials, they went to these places because they believed they were going to catch up mm -hmm. trade. If you can't hide there and earnings revisions go down negative for the regional banks, whatever, what happens then? Because at that point, are you selling banks and going back to buying tech? I don't think so. I've always said, what is the buy point when momentum comes out of the market yep. on names that aren't tethered on, on these high tech valuation companies? What does that look like? Because that to me is the moment. If you can't hide it in something, where are you going to go? I think thesis that are mumbling in our, in our heads is that if China stimulates again, maybe the commodity sector can do a little bit better. I'm not they making it. They just did it. overnight. And, yeah. And, but here's the thing. Let's look at, actually, look at, look at natural gas is starting yeah. to peak its head up and look at some of these things. They're, they're, crude can't get out of its own way. Like, I'm a buyer of crude here. Yeah. I really think that you have the Saudis and OPEC really trying to manipulate the market. You have the Americans trying to manipulate the market on the other side. And so, again, there's a lot of companies out there that are big cash flow generators, big dividends, big buybacks, really good balance sheets. I'm happy to own a lot of these energy companies when people don't like them. So Jackson Hole is in two months, okay? So we just had this pause. There's probably two more 25 basis points. Cuts are off the table, like for 2023. So my point is, will we have some sort of inflection point at Jackson Hole as these Fed chairs are known to do? I look at the NASDAQ 100 that's up 37% on the year. I look at the S&P 500 that's up 15% on the year. In about a month, we're going to be getting into Q2 earnings and Q3 guidance. I feel like we are going to have a move this summer. It's going to, there's going to be, something's going to happen in the market. One of those big Augusts that we've had. Yeah, I, no, I really, I really do. And especially when you talk about the VIX, you talk about the move index, you talk about some of those inflation readings coming down. We might see a CPI below 4% over the course of the summer. I feel like there is all the ingredients are in place for a big move. Maybe it's a melt up. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. But if there's anything that happens that is unexpected and negative, and everyone heads for the door at the same time, I think it could get really nasty. People are still playing the, the meme stock stuff. They, they do not, it's pretty clear they don't want to give this trade up. Let's look at the move yesterday after the Fed. Like the, I was like, oh, this market's probably going to go down. We've been and talking, it went up, and it just, the S&P has rallied 35 handles off of its lows. It yeah. is, like I'm looking at my chart on facts that it literally rallied in a straight line. Every morning we started out this conversation, okay, we're pre, These you told me what you guys do pre-opening and this and that. Right. You have your fundamental views. You have some ideas about what you're going to trim, what you're going to add to this or whatever. And the big money's coming in and they are just hitting the buy button like on the open. Well, is it the big money or just the big if then statements, right? And the big money that owns this stuff just sits back and says, okay, good for me. Uh, Does this I don't come know. back to some of the zero days to expiration comes to YOLOing a lot of these calls? Because remember in August of 2020, remember the, the soft bank whale? Do you remember all that yes. YOLO call buying? It feels like Bill there's Wang. a lot of yeah, that Wang. stuff going on right now too, is that the smart guys, and we know the smart guys, we just said their names earlier. They know the game. They make the rules. You have a couple of Melvin Capitals out there right now too. I think. You think so? Yes. There's about, there's some problems out there. No, I don't have big problems, but you have funds that are taking their but books. But is that, right, so can we talk about credit then? Because yeah. are there credit funds out out there? Are there some situations, we keep hearing this again and again, you know what I mean, about this is on the other side of that rate, the pace in which rates went up. I'm just curious what you guys are thinking there, because that would be the one thing. We well, keep we know hearing about bankruptcy, macro funds yeah. that have been, they made a lot of money and lost a lot of money on these volatile rate moves. Yeah. How they're positioned right now, I don't know. I know that the big macro funds are short bonds, so they believe rates are going to move higher from here, at least on the short end. That's yeah. how they've been positioned. But we're looking at an inversion of 90 basis points, and people can play it steepener if they want yeah. still at this point or a flattener, however they want. That's, I think, where the where the trade's going on. And I couldn't even tell you right now because I would have thought it was a predictor and I still think it is a predictor that the economy is going to slow. But the other thing that Vin and I talk about a lot is one of the issues out there is still a problem is, is commercial real estate. And you got the keep first inning. It's first inning. It's, they keep hiking rates and there's, the banks finance obviously a lot of this stuff and they don't have a huge appetite to finance a lot of stuff right now. And luckily, guys like Aries and the private lenders step in and they say, great, good for me. I can, I'm can, i good at this stuff. And Kennedy Wilson. Yeah. So if yeah, if exactly. you guys do well with a high VIX and we have a low Walker VIX right now, analysis. how are you thinking about in the back half of this year to do well? Like, where do you think the big, forget gold, forget all, like some of those things, like, because you guys have laid out some themes here, but let's assume that at some point we're going to have a higher VIX and we're going to have some of the trades that have really powered the gains in the first half of this year. Let's say they abate. How do you make money in the back half of 2023? I'm guessing at some point, these, a lot of these meme stocks, not NVIDIA, upstarts of the world, we're going to go back to shorting them heavily. 
right? Like the names that we know really well, and then they're just memeing themselves right now. We're going to go back and go back and pound the shorts. And so that's on the short side. That's how we're thinking about it. We do have a couple idiosyncratic shorts that we like a lot. And, you know, name by name. Are they generally uh, financially oriented, the idiosyncratic shorts? that Generally speaking, yeah. 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 At this point in time, generally speaking. And then what about value? Again, because Danny's a question about buy points, I think is a really important one. Let's say the S&P were to pull back to 4,000. Okay, that would be a 10% pullback. The uptrend that's been in place from October, you can draw the line, you can see it. It's also where the 200-day moving average is. That would be a point where if you're an intermediate to long-term investor, That's where you would want, if you miss this rally and you believe that the hype cycle right now is overhyped about some of this technology, to your point, Vinny, how you just described AI and how it may, we don't know, just like we didn't know in 1999, the impact that the internet and e-commerce and digital payments and all those sorts of things we're going to have on all these different industries. We can all agree that this technology is going to be in every part of the economy in five to 10 years, but right now it's probably overhyped. So my question to you is, if we were to come in 10%, do you, for a lot of our listeners who say, guys, you missed it, and Danny, you started out by saying you missed this first six months. We were pretty damn good, I think, all of us, for the back half of 21 and all of 2022. And just because we didn't buy into this hype cycle that you just said, Porter, about what's going on here, can you imagine what the market would be doing right now if there was not this excitement about these 10 names and what's going on with this technology? In my opinion, it would not be a great market because we would be most focused on the lag effect of five and a quarter percentage hikes since March of 2022. You understand where I'm going with this? Yeah, but I, I'm viewing it differently because I my, my brain has sadly warped away from <laughs> fundamentals and more towards market plumbing and market structure. So the biggest thing that happened since October of last year was that the major measurements of volatility that dictate what this big capital does, which is the VIX and the move index, have stayed remarkably low. The money was going to be put to work regardless of whether it was it AI, went to AI stocks yeah. or whether it went to f- just pure fang or something else. The Maybe money it, was the, put- it was the guilt crisis. We already Go had the way. Let's not forget, people were already overweighting and extending Microsoft Google, it was already there. With the, maybe the exception of Meta, which was on its ass, and Amazon, which was on its ass. The bigger names, those three or four, the thing, where they were up there, they were already being hidden. Sem- in well, first of all, not really. Semis were trading like ass. It was Microsoft and Apple that were about four and a half trillion dollars in market right, cap. Right, those two and, were people were hiding. But it's interesting. Apple was making fifty-two week lows the first week of this year. Okay, so to your point, Porter, it's gained a trillion plus in market cap off its lows in just January. And, and the fundamentals in that time frame have not gotten better. No, it, this is a company no, that's expected to grow earnings and sales mid-single digits at best. Think of it this way, too, which is the thing that like puzzles my brain is I'm a big rates dictate a lot of things person. And rates have moved up, particularly over, say, the last two, three months. And the equity markets are completely ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. And so as a result of it, I scratch my head and say, that makes no freaking sense. Hold on a second. Let's not forget. <laughs> the Fed increased their balance sheet $500 billion during the banking crisis, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call so it. So that, Mar- that was March and April. So money yeah. was sloshing yeah. its way they, around. They told me it wasn't AI, too weird, Remember? Don't AI was it. just an excuse to find a home yeah. for some of this yeah. money. So again, I go back to if, when the, when, if the Treasury is, is tightening, so to speak, or the Fed is quantitative tightening or whatever it might be. It's that simple. It is supply and demand. And the point you made about last October on the guilt crisis and all the stuff that went on when money started printing its way into the Let's just keep it simple. It's supply and demand and it wants to find a home and it wants to find an excuse to own something. It's not just not going to end well. It's not just supply and demand, Danny. I think the Fed has shown that, yeah, they're hawkish so long as something really doesn't break. Every time something really broke, they went back into dovish mode. Every but single time. So it's going to happen again. Guilt. I'm telling you, if we get another clandestine, it'll happen again. They're, they're going to do, I call it clandestine right. QE. But here's so. the thing listen, this is everything that I know about since I entered the markets in 1997. After the move that we have had, given what's gone on in rates and what you just said, okay, the stock market cannot meaningfully go too much higher from here, okay? If it's so dependent on these top 10 names, because if you tell me energy gets back on its horse or financials Doesn't get matter. back on, it won't matter. And then you go back to all this data about how you hear people say how new bull markets are started. It's rarely led by the prior leaders. That's the only way it happens. But uncorrected, these names cannot gain another three or four trillion dollars in market Maybe cap. And if they do, 
We are literally in 1999, early 2000. And that's the thing that I think no one is paying I'm pretty, attention I'm to. I'm pretty confident here. This is about as predictive, as bold as I'll be. From Olympian, the, here it comes. No, this is the top. This is the, so I'm with this you. is the near term top in the market. I am this with is 100%. You. I, like, I don't really think there's much more gadget. I, agree. Tech I will yeah. say sentiment indicators, right? Like, I'm a big fan of the very simple greed and fear index. And God, I wish I would listen to it when the greed and fear index is at 10. Yeah. I think we're at 82 right so we, now. We catch a lot of shit. People say, why don't you bring on people who are bullish? Danny has we a are lot. bullish. I know you guys listen. Danny, I am bullish. Danny, when we just had Anastasia Amoroso for my capital on the other day, and she was on the first week of January, and Danny's like, I wish I listened to you back in January. Right. We, this is a common thing that we, yeah, we like said. to do. We're so always boys. very respectful to our people hey. who have differing views, yeah. but we don't always act. I think we're going to get that move, and then we'll reconvene here. I'm but a bullish guy I'm just because I'm not bullish in the market. Optimistic. I, I'm, I'm bullish in a lot of stuff. Optimistic. Thanks bullish for coming on here. By the way, you know? in person, in studio. Let's do it. Let's keep doing it, guys. This I know place that, is ridiculous. That, you see all the sponsors oh, Dan has goodness. now? We got Row now, we by the row. way. And by the way, maybe Ro. you could try some of their products. Yeah. Yeah. But well, Dan looks great. Dan does look great. Row Body Program, baby. Listen. You guys sponsored by like a weightlifting company? What the heck's going on? That's just showing off. But I will tell you bought a whole new wardrobe. I'll tell you, it's tight. <laughs> I will tell you this though. It's it literally, it, Danny's going to get annoyed because I won't I'm going to get really annoyed. No, it's actually changed my life in five months. I've lost In video times. or? No, no, no. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Can I tell you something? I don't talk about had, it anymore. If I hadn't been doing this, yeah. what's happened to me in NVIDIA and Tesla in the last three weeks, yeah. okay? You've lost weight I, I, in you many guys ways. Would not be, you would not have heard from me. I'm yeah. going to look into this row because I, I, you know me, I hate the healthcare system. Yeah, yeah this I tried good. to go self-insured for a year. That didn't work. Like the whole thing is banana. All right, so we did it. What are we doing? We want more. What are we doing? Especially while you're up here all summer long here. Yep. Uh, Vinny, Porter, Danny. We're going to hopefully so have much. an episode. We, we can make early work July, in July. We get another one. Yeah. So in a so, month, you guys are good. I got to play golf with Danny, which is always oh. annoying. <laughs> the oh last time, one of, not the last time, one last time, Porter and I are very competitive and playing sports or competing against an Olympian is a whole nother level of intensity. There was a point where I didn't give Porter like a, a three foot putt <laughs> and then I hit a ball up close and instead of he wanted to give me the putt, but he didn't want to say you're good. He picked my ball up and threw it into the woods. <laughs> we go through a well, lot. These guys are going to spend more time in here because you guys have Danny's pre-pod activities. Two weeks ago, he was doing push-ups. I, I can't I, take I, it. I, I, I didn't have I anyone. I couldn't to... see Danny. And all of a sudden, I looked down. He's doing push-ups. Yeah. He's, like, all right, he's been like, yeah. He's a little friend. We'll go push-up contest. Right, have we ever done kidding. the Mike Weir story? That, that, that We'll talk about that oh, another time. Goodness. Yeah, We'll talk about that on the, Mike Mike, on the golf adding. All right, guys, thanks so much. Look forward to having you back. Thank you. Weeks. Awesome. Right, guys. See Thanks again to our presenting sponsors, CME Group, iConnections, FactSet, and SoFi. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit follow and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show, and we also want to hear from you. Email us at contact at riskreversal.com. Derivatives are not suitable for all investors and involve the risk of losing more than the amount originally deposited and any profit you might have made. This communication is not a recommendation or offer to buy, sell, or retain any specific investment or service.